Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. My name's Christy Moray and I'm joining Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team. Today we'll be chatting about burnout and fatigue, because we want to encourage everyone to rest over the holidays. Hope you get value from it. Hey Joe, it's Christmas week. How are you? Oh, I'm good, Christy. Although, um, you know, every time this week's co- this week comes, I always think, where did the year go? And where did December go? And I thought I had an extra week. It's the same thing every year. And I should really learn by that. And Even pandemic that. year. Yeah, yeah. Cover that. <laughs> I know, exactly. Yeah. Did you so, have a good weekend? I did. I did. I actually um, had a bit of a rest and went shopping a little bit. And but I, I, it's been so hectic that I just needed to take some time, and I just took the time, even though there are a million and one things to do. I just thought I can't, can't go there. I need to just take care of myself. So I, I shut up. <laughs> That's great. And I took care of myself. Yes. That's yeah. great. That's actually yeah. very fitting for our topic today then. It is. It is we're tra- yeah, we're chatting about burnout and fatigue. Mm, so today yeah. we're hopefully going to cover uh, dealing with the fatigue and burnout and what to look out for, how to put in place self-care for you and your team, and how to avoid burnout in the future by taking time out for you and your team. Mm. So we decided this Christmas week that we would talk about burnout because there's many different ways in how people are adjusting to the pandemic and the season of holidays around the world. We know we can't cover everything, but we just want to address this topic to just open it up. Um, The first time I actually personally knew someone who had to stop working at a high-level position at an organization she was at was because of burnout, Mm. which made me curious because she said it was very difficult for uh, medical people to diagnose because it's not currently a medical diagnosis. And just recently, I was speaking to someone at a gathering who had a stressful position before the pandemic, but after the pandemic, it it just was old time chaos broke out. And he's actually just resigning after Christmas because he's, he just said, I'm, you know, literally not going to go back. I'm going to just send in my, you know, resignation. And basically, I I don't know in this industry or what company this is but he said the same person in Sydney who has this position was experiencing the same thing and he's already resigned as well so something was not quite right um, in terms of the lack of support there Mm. Um, but that's actually more common than we think I guess you know like if we're really fortunate enough to be working with people or working in situations that are not going to push us over the edge, then we don't really think about the people who are actually in these scenarios. Yes. So Joe, have you been speaking to people this year, especially where there's a sense of heavy fatigue and maybe burnout is the norm Mm. for them? You know what I have. And I think that, I think that the pandemic has exacerbated all of that. And um, particularly because, you know, when you think about it, the change that we've had to adapt to this year has just been phenomenal. You know, it's no, um, it's no mean feat to, for example, change your living arrangements and working arrangements. And, you know, those things are often at the very top of the list of things that, that people talk about um, as causing, you know, undue stress. And this year what we had to do was 
learn new technology and be um, you know relating to our work in a different way in a different way relating to our you know colleagues and our teammates in a different way because we were all sort of needing to work remotely and on top of that there was an insecurity about what was going to happen to our jobs um, as well as a global anxiety about um, the pandemic and and whether life would ever get back to normal and and what it meant for our freedoms and then uh, on top of that again was concern about our families and our loved ones and our elderly and and then on top of that again we were faced with um, restrictions to our own movements and um, you know new behaviors around wearing masks and not hugging people and not seeing people and not socializing and then Perhaps for some that caused some social isolation, which again exacerbates stress. So when you, it's like a melting pot of all the things in the world that can contribute to stress and burnout this year. Mm-hmm. And, and no wonder we get to this time of year, which is, you know, as we, you know, as you were saying, Christmas itself brings on feelings of stress because of a lot of the expectations that are um, around at this time of year, not only, you know, around the expectations of family, um, the dynamics that some families bring are not always positive, but it's also that expectation of gift giving, which adds stress to the, you know, Mm, finances. I think that's another another topic we can talk about. We should have a topic about that. We should absolutely. And so so the, the whole... All of that is very um, difficult, but, you know, particularly for people at work, um, there were also situations, and I know a lot of people who were working in organisations where they were either asked to um, reduce their pay or reduce their hours worked, or they saw other colleagues around them being made redundant mm-hmm. and uh, or stood down, and that may not have... Um, been aligned to changes in the workload so people who have a lot of people that I talk to have actually been working longer hours and um, particularly have struggled with the balance between home and work because you know suddenly home is your workplace and so all of that has actually I think also lent itself to this idea of just mental exhaustion and Mm -hmm. um, and and you know and I feel really bad for your for the person you were talking to about who is going to resign because of this you know burnout level that that you know he or she's feeling i think that right. to get to that point means that there's such despair because um you know i'm sure that there are so many things other than resigning that that person would rather do and so you know i i really feel for people who are put in that situation and then the the thing that they feel is the only alternative is to resign. I think I think that that's very sad. Yeah, especially yeah. I think in that situation, those really it sounded very stressful. Be pre pandemic, mm, yeah, a year in, and then the pandemic hit. And obviously, if something's not going well before a global pandemic, I think a global pandemic could possibly swing it to not as you know even worse for sure yeah it, mm. 
But it would be great if the pandemic had made it better for people in yeah. certain ways. Like people thought, oh, I have to change, you know, the way I'm doing things or I'm burning my staff out or, you know, if there was a level of awareness. Because hmm. the common definition of burnout, it seems like through some research I did, is the loss of meaning in one's work and coupled with mental, emotional or physical exhaustion hmm. as the result of long term unresolved stress. So it just seems like it's stress every day. And I got this from the website, uh, This Is Calmer, which I can help link in the description below later. But they also list the five stages of burnout, which can be helpful for all of us in measuring out uh, what it takes of burnout. And according to this article, it seems like in the five stages, the first one is the honeymoon phase of being at a job, a new job or mm something like this where we have the job satisfaction high level of commitment being challenged etc and this is where we kind of want to sustain our level of activity because the next stage actually goes to onset of stress and it just goes gradually worse or else the fifth stage is like complete stress and we're no longer able to function well or function at all it seems mm. like the fifth stage so it seems like this honeymoon phase is where we want to um, keep ourselves in any sort of position is yeah where we are engaged and we have energy to do our work and we have a personal life and things like that yeah what do you think about that joe well i mean i i can see i've seen that happen before and i i can see that those phases um get worse and worse and the reason that that gets worse is and i want to focus on that word that you said when in your definition uh, from uh, thisiskarma.com, mm -hmm. it's unresolved stress. So when you when you when you are faced with something new, say a new job, it could be a new role within the job or a new project. There's a feeling of we call it you stress. It's actually good stress, and that that's because even though you may feel like you are being challenged that you the resources you have you know like your, your, your mental resources or maybe the knowledge you have about that role or that project is more is, is limited um, in accordance to the demands that you're required to you know kind of meet or address you you kind of feel it, it's sort of a positive emotion because you are in a state of learning and maybe you're finding particularly if you're in an environment where there's a lot of support and reinforcement you're probably, um, you know, taking quite a optimistic view of the future. So, so even though there's a bit of you stress, it's good stress because it's, um, uh, it's it, you 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 have a more positive view of of that being resolved. Because we all remember we all when we all start something new and we tell ourselves, oh, but I'm only new and I'll learn as I go. And other people tell us too, oh, you've only been here two or three weeks. You know, I'm sure that you know by by six months you you will have it mm -hmm. now the unresolved stress comes in when you get to six months and you still don't have it or the demands are still exceeding what you can um, address in terms of the resources that you have and it might be that you don't have the knowledge you might you might not have the ability you might not have the supportive environment it might be that there is just too much work to do and the the culture around you or the, the management is, um, it could be a leadership problem too, is it prioritizing well enough for you or allowing you to prioritize so that 
um, you've just got a long to-do list and it never gets done. And so what that in that situation, that's, that starts to become stress, de-stress and burnout. And you get to burnout when that cycle just keeps uh, repeating itself. So often we can experience stress and it's um, it can be it can be mild or it can be a, a large amount of stress, but but we we sometimes experience that in a short time and then it gets resolved. So you know, often you hear people say, "Oh, you know, the last two weeks I've been really busy, very you know, slammed with work, but I know that you know this week I can take it easy and regroup." That regroup and that recovery is what's required for us to cope with stress because the other side of stress is coping strategies and what kind of coping we have at our disposal to mm-hmm. deal with the demands of stress. Burnout occurs when those coping strategies no longer work and they no longer work because the cultural environment of the workplace is um, not addressing the stress and so even though perhaps the individual is trying to cope with that manner of stress there's just no relief um, there's no support in the environment or sometimes uh, individuals just have ineffective coping strategies too so it can be happening because you know there's something going on for that person individually or it could be that there's an environmental issue or sometimes it's both and so so you get to burnout um, when you've got this prolonged repeated cycle of stress, try to cope, it doesn't work. Stress, try to cope, it doesn't work. And so what you get is this feeling of absolute hopelessness and that's what people feel at burnout, that utter exhaustion where they just, and they'll tell you, they just do not have anything else to give. They are just, they feel fatigued, they just feel like, every ounce of you know if, if we were like a you know a cup every ounce of you know liquid in that cup is has just been drunk dry there's just nowhere to and so 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 that's why i i feel for people in that state because there's this absolute despair around that and um it's very difficult to see how to how to move out away from that and that's why like you know to your point earlier that's why a lot of people just decide to take themselves out of that situation because they just haven't been able to resolve it within that context Mm -hmm. and sometimes that is the right thing to do if there's no long-term changes yes yeah yeah and i also just wanted to clarify that i found in um, the helpguide.org where they have an article on burnout prevention and recovery Mm -hmm. which will also link that it's not just from jobs that people can experience burnout it's anywhere in life where people are overworked and undervalued is basically what it says yeah and I never had actually thought that because I remember experiencing burnout when I was very young um, in my early 20s, but it was because there was a lot of stressful um, uh, family kind of issues. And I didn't realize at that time, like I was completely burnt out from Mm. those kinds of issues. So I also want to say to people who are listening that it might not be job related and um, there's also burnout is also dependent on our personality and lifestyle as well. And obviously circumstances is a huge part, but it's just a mix, I think. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we can never just take people um, outside of their 
total life context and just look at them at work and understand what's happening. And that's why, you know, I keep saying, and I've said for many years, we bring our whole selves to work. That's our emotional selves. That's our psychological self. That's our, you know, our, our competent cognitive self as well. But we bring our, our whole self to work. When we are at work, we bring our community, our family, our friends, our kids, our, you know, partners. We bring all the issues we're having. I mean, those things just don't go away when we walk through an office store or when we're at home trying to make it work remotely, you know, sort of sitting at the kitchen table or sitting in a study. They just don't go away. People have different coping strategies though. So some people use coping strategies where they can compartmentalise their lives and they can perhaps um, focus on one thing at a time and focus on the issues related to one context and then um, you know, kind of park the other issues. That's different. That's not what I'm saying. But but what I'm saying is when when we, uh, you know, feel when you when you for example have an employee for those leaders out there or managers when you have an employee who's obviously showing signs of, you know, distress. That's D I S T R E S S. Oh, like distress. Distress. distress yeah. 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 So when, as opposed to you stress, which is positive stress, you know, de-stress, then you you need to kind of have a conversation about what's going on for that person, which may be a conversation which is not, it may, may or may not be just about work, like to your point. So it's actually about leaning in, be curious, ask them what's going on, what's happening at home. Because the other um, uh, really um, effective sort of buffer to stress is social support. So people that have, uh, that feel supported in their social uh, network, uh, so will more likely experience less or be able to cope with, uh, you know, less burnout and will be able to cope with more stress. So in other words, for example, you, Christy, if you, if you feel like you have a very strong social network outside of work, that could even be a buffer to the stress that you experience at work. And then even more so, if you're at work and you feel like you have a really lovely, strong, supportive, um, you know, network of colleagues at your workplace, then that's going to buffer that that experience of stress as well. It's a coping strategy for you. You can you can lean on on that support. People mm. who don't have that support are going to find it more difficult to really um, you know, address or resolve that stress. And so, um, you know, social support is super important and it, and it can come in both, in both of those areas. It, you know, some people find it in their church, for example, and in mm -hmm. their communities. It doesn't that's even true. have to be very um, proximal, you know, like it doesn't have to be something that's close up and, you know, it doesn't, I'm not talking about the people living with you at home. I'm talking about when you think about, who you might go to to talk about a problem, you know, who are the people you think about? Where are they? Who, you know, because that is the perception of support that you have. That perception, regardless of actually whether it's real or not, is going to be an enormous buffer against stress. That's very, very mm. true. Mm. Like seeking out a community. Mm. Yeah, I definitely uh, benefit from that. Is I, I do go to church every Sunday, and we like such a great community. 
I think, and it's really helped us out from beginning of our marriage all the way to now. It's just we had premarital counseling, we had support, we had people who were for us, and yeah. so that's why I feel like, yeah, we couldn't have done it on ourselves and have a successful marriage. Oh, I mean, yeah, no, that's yeah. a wonderful example, Christy, because I think a lot of people you know, um, particularly um, newlyweds, you know, people who are newly uh, uh, kind of committing to each other in that way, they just feel like they have to do it all themselves and they can't admit that, you know, there there might be some some issues that they need to resolve. Yeah, I know this is a business podcast, but I (laughs) highly recommend premarital counselling for anyone listening. And I don't know, you're getting married. Yes, premarital counselling, very recommended with people you trust. Yeah. so according to the help guide also in terms of burnout, there's these three R's that it mentioned and it was recognize, reverse, and re- build up resilience. Mm. So that's, I thought that was really fitting. These steps are for everyone regardless of position and title. So there might be different demands on leaders versus uh, employees, but mm. burnout really can happen to anyone as we discussed before. Yeah. Yeah, so um, what do you think, Joe? about... Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I I think that that's probably a nice, easy way to to remember to address the stress. And so, Mm -hmm. and noticing, recognising it is the first thing. And we talked about this in a a podcast earlier that we did on compassion in the workplace because the first part of creating a compassionate workplace is is noticing. And, um, And so... So that's actually really important. I, I've um, I've had um, people, and unfortunately more than once, I've had people come to me and, and they've, they've always got the same story. And the story is, you know, I was feeling really stressed and the workload is, you know, unmanageable and, you know, I, I've been trying to cope with it on my own and, and everybody else is in the same boat and, and then, you know, and then I'll often ask, well, have you spoken to your manager? Yep, my manager knows about it, um, but that they're not doing anything. And that's where it stops. So so noticing and recognising something is, is wrong is really important. But sometimes, you know, and that's why I like these three R's because it's a nice way to remember. Sometimes it's not, you don't just stop there. I often have, you know, I, I can't count the amount of times people say to me that their managers know, their team leaders know, the business owner knows, and they just do nothing. Mm. And often they'll, they'll turn around and they'll say, yeah, but the work just needs to get done and, and stop. Like that's a resolution. That's not a resolution. The work just needs to get done is not addressing the elephant in the room that someone's, you know, feeling distress and on the maybe on the verge of burnout um yeah because you know because the other thing we haven't talked about it takes time to recover from burnout people often experience physiological issues related to burnout it's not Very something true. you want to get it's like Very it's like covid true. it's not something you want to get because even if you recover there are these long term issues that might stay with you you do not want to get to a point where you are so depleted you are so exhausted that you you just are in kind of this despair and sometimes it can lead to depression you don't want that completely so, completely yeah, so, so you want to stop it you want to 
recognize it and do something about it. And the amount of times I hear people say, you know, um, that, you know, yes, it's being recognized, but nobody's doing anything. So the next part of that, the reverse, to me, is an action word. And that's why mm-hmm. I like that as well. It doesn't have to be reverse. It can be um, stop. It can be do something different, you know, like, uh, but, but, but reverse, I like that metaphor because it means somehow you're, you're, you're putting on the brakes. You're stopping mm-hmm. what you're doing today and you're reflecting on how you can do it how you can do it better or how you can do it differently. Or maybe you're even giving some people time out because that can be what they need often. Doesn't it mean they need a whole month off? They might need a week off just completely to turn off and experience just that period of time where they just don't have that demand because it's the demand equation. Stress is like an equation. On one side, we have demand. Workload is demand. The to-do list is demand. Mm-hmm. On the other side, we have our resources as an individual. Your resources are your ability, your knowledge, your the physical hours in the day that you're able to commit to something, um, you know, that the time you, it takes, but it's also the effectiveness, the way in which, and that, that's actually where team effectiveness comes in too because when you have teams that aren't effective, it's going to add um, to, it's, it's not going to add in a positive way to that resource equation, you're going it's to drag costly. down. Yeah, it's very costly. 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 So yeah. you've still got the demand and you're not actually able to, to you know, kind of be using the resources in an optimal way. So, so you know, that equation is really important. So I like that reverse because the mm-hmm. reverse means somehow you're, you want to bump up the resources. There are two things you can do, actually. You can bump up the level of resource you bring to someone. So that's hire more staff, get them some help, get people off this project and all swarming on that project that needs help, whatever that is. Um, Or you eliminate the demand or you reduce the demand. And you do that by telling someone they they just need to take a week off to to avoid that. Or you you reprioritise the demand for them. You say, okay, you've got 10 things on your list. Just work on one thing. Get that done and then we'll look at the other nine. So, so this is, this is, it's, 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 it's kind of easy to think about it that way. It's like a, almost like a, you know, those old fashioned weighing scales. You've got one side tips the other side. That's where you need the balance. And Mm. ideally, ideally for thriving in an environment at work, you always want people to almost feel like they have more resources than demand. And what that means is they, they can, they know how to pull on resources if the demand ever gets higher. So in some ways you want the scales to be tipped towards resources. And then the other, the other part of that, you know, the three R's recognize reverse and resilience. That last part resilience is about developing a bit of muscle in terms of your competency to deal with stress. When we resolve stress, in other words, when our, when our coping strategies kick in and it resolves that issue, we have more confidence in our ability to cope with stress. And that confidence is also part of the equation because it leads to optimism and it it kind of counteracts that feeling of, you know, not being able to to see the light at the end of the tunnel is is the kind of opposite to that. If you know that you can cope with stress, even though you know that, for example, the next... um, 
period of time is going to be a highly stress-invoking environment. If you have the confidence that you're, you have coping strategies in place and you know they work, then you're more, that's resilience. You're more likely to, um, to go into that period and, and be effective. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more success you have, the more confidence you get that those strategies work. When you apply them again, you, you feel more resilient. Yeah, and I think this, um, you know, as the generations pass, like I'm in the cusp of the millennial generation, like, and this was not something that was really taught. Like mm. this kind of culture or language around uh, burnout was not really taught. So um, there were s- statistics that I saw that it says the most burnt out sort of age range is between 20 something to 44. Wow. And I wonder if it's because um, like even recognizing what it is. Yeah. Because I didn't have any knowledge of why I was so um, burnt or just really exhausted or fatigued when it happened. And I had no idea of why. But like if I had learned this earlier I think I would have definitely had some steps of you know trying to reverse it like uh, yes mm, and not let myself like really need the time to recover because recovery time is costly because it takes so long to try to recover from years of something Absolutely. it's not a quick fix so yeah, for, sure. for those people who are wondering, they're business owners and they're talking about your money people. Yeah, it is, you know, humans can't work like machines. and But humans are more worth it, I, for sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and, and to that, to that we, we know, I mean, there's a lot of research that says that um, you, you need staff who are engaged in the work that they're doing and that means they're finding meaning in the work that they're doing and they're actually able to work effectively because they're not experiencing this constant distress all the time and we I know all the all the studies know that that makes a difference to you know revenue and profitability and it also improved safety culture importantly as well right. if you have people who are disengaged or feeling you know because when you have people on the brink of burnout they are disengaged right um so you will have higher safety um, incidences, you know, mm. breaches of safety, um, and you know that can get quite dangerous. You have, I know, you also have higher turnover, as we've been talking about as well. All of these are costly. All of these are costly to the business. What you want in the the opposite of that is highly engaged people, which um, are. Um, you know, experiencing a sense of absorption and vigor in the work that they're doing. The opposite to feeling like you just can't handle the workload, you can't manage the workload or there's too much stress going on in the workplace. Um, Because demand can come from other things other than workload, by the way, Christy. It can come from, for example, expectations around certain ways of behaving. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can come from um, also just um, a a set of other, you know, sort of values that are misaligned to your own values or, you know, demand is like we've been talking about workload, but it might be other things. It might be just other expectations. But what you want is is for people to feel like they're in flow when they're working. So they're dedicated to what they're doing. They can immerse themselves in it. They're absorbed in it. They're 
they, f- they feel a sense of vigor. Vigor is kind of old-fashioned word, vigor. As always, thank you for listening and a very Merry Christmas to all of you. We're taking a couple weeks off and won't be back until mid-January in 2021. We hope you get some real rest and if you are wanting to continue the conversation on burnout, please reach out to us at josephine at geareforgrowth.biz and we will do our best to answer. In the meantime, we hope you stay well and we wish you the best of the remaining 2020 and we'll chat again next time. Bye for now and take care. But, you know, when you think about what vigor means, it's like I'm full of energy. That's right. the opposite to burnout where you're like yeah. a flat pancake and you yeah, have nothing. Yeah. You have no energy. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I think we can – this is definitely a topic that I wouldn't mind uh, talking about again if people are interested. But as always, we do have to wrap it up. So thank you.